the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, back with you. We're at the uh, Capitol today. Uh, this is Thursday. If you uh, woke up this morning, we're wondering. Of course, you knew that because yesterday was Wednesday. It was my birthday, and it was the first day that pitchers and catchers showed up for spring training. That was the important thing. Are you a baseball fan? You're not. All right. You, all right. Mark, are you a baseball fan? No, maybe World Series. Okay, forget it. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, well, I, don't need I love to. college college World Series. You ready for this weekend? Uh, Razorbacks playing this weekend. Oh, well. Got a big series coming up. Okay. And I'm, I'm all. Go Hogs. And not only is it the baseball team, but the Lady Hogs playing, too. All right. They're playing down in Clearwater, Florida. I was talking to Aaron today, and I was asking where the where the ball team's playing. They're playing in the new uh, Rangers Stadium down right? in uh, the in Arlington. So, if you don't have tickets, I'm sure they got plenty of tickets still available there with as many seats as they have for that. Hey, I asked the the, the the treasurer on now. You remember Mark has been on my show a gazillion times, all right, and he's always been state representative Mark Lowry. Now he's state treasurer. Mark Lowry, mm-hmm. I was I was asking if you could bring the money up to get the picture taken with me, you know, holding a million dollars. Well, we would probably need for you to come <laughs> to us. <laughs> we could do it up here. No bigger. All right. Then how fast can you run? You yeah. Know? Well, yeah. Anyway, let's let's talk about this ESG thing, because it was a front page article in the paper today. Right. And uh, they finally are passing legislation to allow you to do this to pull that money out of BlackRock and other people who are using uh, ESG-type logic of who they put our money into to to make money for us. So why don't don't you bring up everybody on this? Well, um, the the bill, as I said in uh, my comments that were in the paper, it's been a moving target. It's, It's had some amendments. Uh, the sponsor is saying, and, and ESG stands for Environmental Social Governance, and what it is, it, it's, it's kind of woke capitalism uh, that dictates that you can only invest money in uh, those uh, uh, more liberal positions. In other words, if you're, uh, there's discrimination against fossil fuels, guns and ammunition, that's the environmental part. The social and the governance would be related to diversity. Uh, the the sponsor is saying that he has cut out all the S and G, the social and governance. But I read the bill, and the language is still there. Okay. So, so anyway, he and, just and you're looking at it. Yeah. That's Jeff Wardlaw. Yeah, Representative Wardlaw. Okay. Yes. Um, there's basically what it does it's it mandates uh, you know and I have no problem with it mandates us divesting uh, for instance uh, one of the 
problem areas is going to be that uh, we have a large demand account with Bank of America. Well, Bank of America has been known at the, the federal level, the national level, uh, to have had discriminatory practices against fossil fuels and such. Yeah, this is this whole ESG thing, even the Congress is looking seriously at it to make it illegal, are they not? Yes, uh, because th- this is the new battleground, really, for ideology. Uh, the left has recognized that they don't have the votes, uh, whether in Congress or even in legislatures, uh, to really push their woke agenda. And so the way they're trying to do it is come in through the back door. Now, where that mostly happens is through retirement funds. And uh, th- that is another thing that we're watching very closely with the House Bill 1307 is that Representative Wardlaw says that retirement systems have been exempted. I, I don't find that to be the case when I read the bill, but possibly there are other amendments coming uh, that will clarify that. But, but anyway, it's something that uh, a lot of it is going to come down on the treasurer's office. We're going to be trying to marshal the resources to compile a list. I've kind of been referring to it as the naughty list, uh, the companies that we do not want to invest in because they're discriminatory practices, and uh, we'll have to compile the list, and we'll do that with the Attorney General's office, but then we'll also have to defend the list. Uh, th- those companies that get placed on the list can appeal, uh, so, you know, we're, we're going to have to, you know, probably look no, at... Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. If you decide not to place money with a company because of their policies... The company gets to come back and say, no, wait a second, you've got to give us money. Well, the first thing that they would be doing is they would be appealing having been placed on the list. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, the divestiture, the divesting actually comes later. And the importance of that list is it's not just what the state treasury does. Municipalities also have to follow it. Other public entities have to follow that list. And, uh, you know, so that's going to have a ripple effect. But, yes, they have the appeal right uh, to provide information that says we should not be on that list. Uh, so I'm going to, you know, I, I've already talked with Attorney General Tim Griffin. He said he is going to make every resource available to help us in compiling the list, defending the list, uh, and carrying out and implementing the use of that list to make sure that we are investing the resources, the money of the people of Arkansas in ways that really fit a sound financial and fiduciary responsibility and not uh, this ideology. Yeah, let, let's let me try to put it in Dave Ellsworth's words, okay, okay uh, for you. And that is, you want to make sure that the companies that we are investing our taxpayers' money in are investing that money in the businesses that are going to return uh, give us a great ROI. Correct? Right. Uh, without I, yes. without punishing companies that personally, as Republicans, we think are 
fine. Well, I gave you a perfect example. If you've got a company that is pushing back against the use of fossil fuels uh, and we're invested in them currently, we need to get out of that because Arkansas's number one industry is agriculture. Yeah. And it depends heavily on fossil fuels, not Natural just, gas especially. Uh, uh, yes, uh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a long time coming. This is a battleground that has been uh, forming over the last year. And uh, I've been I talked about it quite a bit while I was on the campaign. Yeah, we've had you, you look. You've been on my show countless times, and this has come up many, many times. Uh, our everyday listeners should not be caught unaware that this was coming. Right. And, you know, I was, uh, frankly, very surprised when I would go to uh, groups, Republican groups, whatever, and I would mention ESG, and I would expect to have to explain what it is. I didn't have to explain. They, knew, they didn't know they? what it is. They started booing and hissing, and, <laughs> and, and I told them, I said, listen, you've got a friend that's going to be in the treasurer's office that's going to be pushing back on companies like BlackRock, State Street, and we're going to be looking at the whole ESG issue. Okay, let's talk about uh, uh, Representative Nicole Clowney from Fayetteville said that uh, many other states, such as Kentucky and Texas, have enacted similar measures that have cost states billions of dollars in investment. I'm going to tell you I don't buy that, but she says it uh, in investment. So she asked whether uh, Wardlaw, who's carrying the bill, has done a similar analysis on Arkansas investments and what he found. Well, let's talk to the treasurer because I know he's already done this. We're not going to be losing billions of dollars, right? Well, no. We would actually be reinvesting in companies that we believe are, they believe consistently like we do. Correct. That we should be supporting the use of fossil fuels, that we should not be uh, making decisions other than based on a sound financial practice. Right. And uh, so that's what we're pushing back against. It certainly is something that's more prevalent. Uh, on the East Coast, the West Coast. Uh, but, you know, th- this is a good proactive move uh, to uh, to stop it before it really builds up momentum here in Arkansas. So I, we're all on the right side of this. Uh, there's, uh, I think, something like 60 House members that have co-sponsored the bill. You know, yeah, the it flew qu- through committee yesterday, man. Yeah. The only, <laughs> you know, the only questions I have are certainly not questions of intent. They're questions of process. and. Okay. Okay. Can, you you, can you hold your, your thoughts just for a second? Yeah. We're going to get a break, and then we're going to come back and talk more about this. Plus, I want to get validated by the treasurer because when he was a state uh, representative, he talked about education as well. All right, so we're talking about uh, HB 1307, which got through committee in the House side yesterday. Uh, that would be the Arkansas House State Agencies and Governmental Affairs Committee. And uh, joining us right now is uh, the state treasurer, because this deals with state money. And uh, his job is to uh, get out there and take money that we've already, we've already got and make it into more money that we need. 
correct? That's correct. Is that, uh, is that just simplified first, as much as I can? Yeah. Well, our first priorities is uh, make sure that the investments we make are safe, that they're liquid, and then third, return on investment. Okay. And ROI. We are we are on track. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be reporting to the Board of Finance uh, today that we are on track that by the end of this fiscal year, we will have the largest return on investment in history. Fantastic, yeah, man. Yeah, so it's really been – I know interest rates rising are not good for consumers, but it certainly has been good for our investments. All right, so those uh, retirement funds are fat, dumb, and happy then, huh? Well, the, the, the state of Arkansas, the Treasury funds. Now, I know the retirement systems because they're also involved in equities. You know, uh, we, we do not do that as much of that. I mean, we're uh, mainly invested in commercial paper, mortgage-backed securities, really not risky uh, investments. Oh, okay. And, but yet we're still having a very consistent uh, uh, gain. All right, good. I'm glad to hear that. Well, I told folks to stick around because, as I said, you were a state legislator before you were a state treasurer, and we used to have you on all the time to talk about education. I was just talking about uh, a story today uh, in the paper on the, Arcan- on the Arkansas section, and uh, Greg Letting, and you know Greg, and, yes. and Greg, is he's a true dyed-in-the-wool blue Democrat. Yes, All right. he, is. he is a liberal. There's no doubt about it. And Greg's been on my show, and he comes on, and we don't agree about anything, but he comes on my show to, to talk about what he believes in. And, uh, you know, he's trying to give a, uh, uh, a pay increase to the janitors and people like that at the schools, and it's an extra $4 an hour. And we have talked about that, and, and you had, in fact, schooled me on this. And so did Mary Bentley uh, schooled me on this, that you had all voted for pay increases for teachers for years, but that money never got to the teachers because the superintendents never gave it to them. And the law in Arkansas is that you all, through the matrix, which is the way that they fund the school systems, give them the money, and then the superintendents make, they make the decision where they really want to spend the money. You guys ask nicely, but if they don't, you can't do anything to them. Well, that's exactly right. You know, the education committees spend 18 months, which were mandated by Supreme Court ruling, the Lakeview decision, uh, to put, pull together figures and information on foundation funding. And we use the matrix, which has line items and teacher salaries and other salaries are part of that. But then when you get to the bottom line, which is a per pupil funding amount, we send that and then there's no mandate that they spend the money according to the line items. It's absolutely maniacal. And I got so tired over 10 years of being on the education committee asking, why is this? Why is this? And I kept being told, and I remember the first person that said it, and it was almost like a mantra, uh, Senator Joyce Elliott. She'd say, well, this is a funding formula, not a spending formula. Well, that needs to change. If we're if we're spending 18 Does she months, understand how dumb that sounds? Well, it... it, uh, it I like Joyce, all right? Yeah, but the truth is that is the vagary of the matrix, and yeah. it has to change. You know, any time that we wanted to designate money that has to be spent on a K-12 
category. We had to put it in the categorical spending. And superintendents pushed back more and more on categorical because they wanted the flexibility. I gave you a perfect example. Transportation is one of transportation costs is one of those concrete objective items. You know how many students you transport and you know how many miles you drive. Right. Well then figure out the formula and send the money based on that. Oh no. We fund transportation based on each student whether they're transported or not. Right. And when we tried to move it into categorical funding, superintendents had a fit. How dare you hold me to a certain amount of money? How dare you take money away from me that I've been well, getting yeah. and putting away in the bank? All right. That's basically what they were saying. Then the last question I have for you, because I'm, I'm not bringing you on as a state rep. I'm bringing you on state treasurer. And, and here's the question, because you, you've talked about this a lot. You got all these school districts still out there saying we got to we got to raise uh, you know property taxes. We got to raise. We need more money for the schools, but they never talk about their building funds, and they got millions upon millions of dollars in building funds. Correct? Yes, uh, they they've got two different funds. They've got a net fund balance, which is the one I first discovered, and then a construction fund balance. And the construction fund balance happens many sometimes. Because they, uh, they've raised money for a building program. And if property values go up, which you hope in a community it will, uh-huh. and that property value generates more millage than you had anticipated using for the building program, you get to sock it away in the construction fund balance. And uh, the, the problem with that is that they can, with very little oversight, switch the money back to operating or net fund balance rather than spending it on the kids. Well, and that's a problem that we had with transportation. You know, they could say it costs X amount of dollars to, for transportation, and they could use a transportation fund somewhere else. Well, or just put it in the bank Yeah. instead of spending it on kids. And that was the thing that I railed against probably, in, I guess, the 2017 session where I was able to pass a bill that put a cap on how much school districts could keep in their net fund balance. And between those two funds, net fund and construction fund balance, the, uh, the amount was $1.6 billion that was in there. Since that bill, that act, has been implemented, that cumulative fund has increased to something like $2.3 billion. It's gone the opposite direction because they figured out how to game the system. Well, it always works. I got to ask you a last question, and that is, being that you're now you're you're the treasurer, got totally different uh, responsibilities than you had when you were a state representative. But now you you see what Sarah's doing as governor. Do you wish you were still back in the house and you could get some things done that you've wanted to do for a long, long time, but were, were stopped by the people who were in the governor's well, office? Well, you know, I, I'm glad that, that I, I have a legacy that some legislators have been coming to me, for instance, about critical race theory. We came up one vote short 
over in the Senate. Uh, thank you, Sturge. Yes, the, thank you, James Sturge. <laughs> uh, and so uh, Senator John Payton, who defeated uh, Senator Sturge, yep. has come back and, and wants to sponsor and is sponsoring a bill that pushes back on critical race theory. The thing that I uh, just gave him advice on was to make sure that you have language in there that also covers diversity, equity, inclusion, because that's what superintendents hid behind. They go, oh, well, we're not teaching CRT. DEI. No, but they were teaching DEI. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, I, I do miss that aspect of being able to see things come across the finish line that I'd been involved in. But, you know, as long as they get done, I'm just very proud to have been a part. I got you. I, I look at you like I do at, at Westerman, all right? Westerman now is congressman. In 2010, he came up to me and talked about this whole thing of the money following the students. Yes. All right? And I asked him, does he feel vindicated now? And, and he says, oh, there's a lot more people behind all of that than just me. Both of you are just humble guys, all right? You well, did thanks. a lot of great things. As a, as a state legislator, I expect and know that we'll get great things out of you as treasurer. Well, thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks a whole lot, Mark. Thanks for letting me come on this morning. Appreciate you being with You're us. doing a great job. Okay. Thanks a lot. All right, let's take a break. we got more coming your way. We're at the Capitol. We're on the third floor on the House side. I know Julia uh, Mayberry is going to be with us today, and uh, I think Carlton uh, Wing is going to stop by. So we got a lot of things going on here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Fair is coming to Faulkner County, Charlotte, to explain to people what's going down. Um, yes. Well, we have been um, speaking about fair and just, you know, watching in the news with all of the things that are happening with the illegal immigration on our borders. And it's just coming in into our, our states. And we're trying to get educated to where when it does hit our state, if they're going to continue operating this way, that we can head some things off before there's problems. So we're well, kind of, you know, trying to be constructive before it happens. Well, so it's, we've been talking it, it, to our senators and everything else and our, our people in legislation, trying to see what we can do on our part to make a difference. Well, there's a lot of things that can be done on the state level. We don't have to wait for the, our federal, uh, our congressman and our senator. We don't have to wait for Congress. We don't have to wait for the president. There's things that we can do uh, to, to get things under control, and that's exactly what these young women are going to tell you about when they come here. I know yeah. I know the folks I know the folks from uh, FAIR very well. I go to Hold Their Feet to the Fire every year. We broadcast live from there. I'm very familiar with these folks. I'm even familiar with the people that you're bringing in i, I gotta tell you people are going to be stunned and you'll be stunned at how much money it's causing it's it's costing the state of uh, arkansas for illegal immigration it's a lot it's yes. millions upon millions of dollars yes and it's hurting our people yes you know, it is our citizens here and it's, to do something about that uh, we're, we're important too Okay, well, tell us what day this is going to be, where is it going to be at, is there any cost, uh, are you having it at a time when you're going to have lunch, or, or exactly what, what's going down? Okay, well, let me tell you what, what we've done. Um, with our members, we've gotten fair to come from Washington um, to our location in Arkansas. They've been looking to get in Arkansas to speak and, and had, uh, had trouble coming into Arkansas. So we decided we would uh, start with our members in Faulkner County and have a meeting with our membership. So we do that at Mike's Place at 11 a.m. on uh, March the 1st, it's going to be. Um, but that's for our members. 
Um, but what okay. uh, we have was our committee is also having one at Vincent's Barbecue um, on the 27th of February with them while they're here. And uh, we decided to find the places where they didn't have anything on their schedule and plug it in. And so we talked to Pulaski uh, County and Saline County women to see if they were interested in having our speaker on a Tuesday night uh, when they weren't going to be speaking with us. So they agreed to pull something together, and they have done that. Um, and they have a uh, a uh, an Eventbrite, the one there to buy tickets for their dinner they're going to have. And they have secured okay. uh, the, the Chanel Country Club in Little Rock. Right. And let me uh, give you the address. If anybody doesn't want to use an Eventbrite and you want to go to this dinner where Fair is going to be speaking for them, it's uh, going to be $35 a ticket, and that's just basically going to cover your food. And uh, it will be a check to PCRC, and it's P.O. Box 241983, and that's Little Rock, Arkansas, 72223. And uh, that is going to be at 6 p.m. on February the 28th on a Tuesday. And that's by the yep, that's, County that's Republican. Couple, that's a couple of weeks away. Yep, not far, not far. But they're going to have so much power-packed information, you know, from there. They're so educated, and this is what they do. Uh, so we want to get our people educated to see where we can, you know, help in our state. Well, I, I can't, I can't uh, do more than say these are the folks that you want to hear. They, they have the information that you need to know. I have them on all the time. I have Ira Melman and Bob Dane and a lot of the other uh, people from FAIR on my show as guests. And uh, I have a lot of these young people on that they have working this issue as well. I'm glad that you're bringing them in. And that's going to be again on the 28th, you're saying, correct? Right. At the Chanel yes. Country Club. Right. Yes. I think that I think I'd like to say one real quick thing is I, I can tell you that knowledge is power. And when you know That's what's right. going on, then you can actually you can actually start affecting that the, the, you can actually start affecting it because you're talking to your legislators and you're talking to your other elected officials. Well, here's the key. People don't know how bad it is until you hear how bad it is. Right. Exactly. It's bad. Right. You don't know what you don't know. (laughs) That's exactly right. And then there's the things that you don't know that are unknown. I can get into the whole rump thing with you as well. There's so much going on out there. There's a human trafficking that's going on at the borders. And I was learning from FAIR, there's 80% 80 of the women and children that cross those borders are raped on the way here through the trek. 80%. I mean, that's, that's almost all of them. That's like yeah. they're paying that price to get across the border to us, and we're giving them hope to come to America. We shouldn't be doing that at that at that rate at that kind of a cost. Yeah. You know, I, I understand there's some legislation America. coming. I understand there's some legislation actually coming up through there, talking to some of the legislators uh-huh. that there's some legislation that addresses the human trafficking issue uh, yes, here in the is. state. And guess what? That should be bipartisan. Yes, it should be a no-brainer. That's not a partisan issue. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to you later. Okay, so don't forget about that. You know, take take advantage of these opportunities to hear the people who know what's really going on. As, as uh, Wayne mentioned earlier, 300 people a day in the United States die of fentanyl poisoning. And... And, and you're right. I wish the way you said that, if, if there was a plane that crashed every day 
that has, has 300, 300 passengers on it that everybody died on, they do something about it. I, I want to call her Julie Newberry all the time because I went to high school with a Julie Newberry. And she was my crush. Aww. All right, she was. <laughs> she was Julie my crush, and Boy, so you know how to... it, it makes it it makes it difficult. I'll just let you know. Well, I do is. have to say, when Andy and I um, got married, the preacher actually. Um, introduced as, as Mr. and Mrs. Newberry instead of Mr. and Mrs. Mayberry. <laughs> oh, no. He corrected it quickly, but that's actually what came out of his mouth. Well, maybe went, he knew Julie, too. I don't <laughs> I know. Don't know. Maybe, maybe he knew her as well. And she's a great lady, and I, she, I haven't seen her in years. And I got a, a, a text from her wishing me a happy birthday yesterday. Oh. You know, just out of nowhere. It was Julie. Happy birthday, Dave. You know, we were good friends. Good <laughs> friends. I was, a, I was a sophomore. She was a senior. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was ill-fated at that. Right. Okay? Right. <laughs> Seniors didn't date sophomores, man. That just didn't happen. Some the of good old did. days. So tell me what's going on. Yeah, I'm, now I'm going back to when I was 16 years old. What's going on with, with you? Well, I, you know, I, I have filed a lot of bills. And, they're, and most of the bills actually have a common theme, but it might not be noticeable to someone who's not thinking deeper. Okay. Um, the theme is life after Roe v. Wade. Um, and there is life after Roe. There is, but um, there are some issues that we need to be thinking about and building an infrastructure because we will have potentially up to 3,000 more babies born each year. Right. Um, probably not that amount because, unfortunately, some women will travel to another state for that abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, some people will think twice before performing the act that actually creates that life. Maybe we'll see less of these unintended pregnancies. I'm going to think positive. But um, we will have more babies. And we are seven months out now, Dave. So Isn't I that believe, amazing? I believe that we are probably just now starting to see some of those babies who were um, not planned and would have been aborted starting to come into the world here in Arkansas. And just to, just to make a statement here about that, is that all the people said the world as we know it was coming to an end because Roe v. Wade was overturned. Hey, the world's still turning. <laughs> it it's is. It's still going. But, but we have but some we're going issues to take, yeah, we got to take that, care of some things. we really need to take care of. So one of the issues today, um, and that I've talked to quite a, quite a bit about, I even had a tax um, credit bill the other day that dealt with this, but child care is a huge issue. So when we think about why do some women seek an abortion, one of the first things that they might say is because they have a career that they have to put on hold, or maybe they're still in school or they don't have child care. They would have to give up a job to take care of the baby, and they can't afford that. They're a single mom. So what are we doing around the state to help improve not only access to child care, but also improve that quality of child care? Because if we're not improving the quality, we're certainly not improving K-12 education either. You know what I think we should do? Just let them write it off for their taxes. State doesn't need the money. We got plenty of money. Why don't we let them write it off their taxes? Well, well, and those are some of the ideas. And there, there are some tax incentives. One of the bills that I, I uh, had the other day, uh, I, again, it was a 
tax credit for the child care worker because right. we do not have enough child care workers in the state. And we also want those workers to have more credentials, more education to be able to take care of our, our children. And so part of that tax bill included um, anywhere from 1800 to $3,000 tax credit if they meet certain criteria. Here's what I like. If you want more of something, don't tax it. Mm-hmm. If you want less of something, tax it. You know, Reagan taught us that back in the 80s. It's pretty simple. It's not, not hard to understand. And I, it just seems to me you let people have their money, they'll spend the money the way they're supposed to spend their money. Right, right. The other part of that, that plan was also to help businesses who are willing to help with child care, whether that's supporting it completely or putting some funding towards even improving um, child care in their area or offering it right there on their facilities. Some some businesses might want to offer child care right there, um, but some may just want to give a credit to the employee, and that would allow that business to use that as a tax um, credit as well. So um, lots of ideas around that. Um, still working on that bill. I was able to pre- present it in Revenue and Tax the other day, and I've gotten some great feedback already on how we can improve. The bill that I presented was um, something that's been done in Louisiana, and it definitely has increased the number of child care workers. Well, because without talk the workers, about that a little bit. Okay, since it's, a, it's how's it working in Louisiana? So, so let me let me pull up some of those numbers because I'm not always good with remembering exactly the the numbers. But we did have some pretty good information that I presented. She's got all kinds of information, sorry, right? That's okay. It's good. That's what I like. I'll tell you what. I'll let you find that. We're going to take we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and then I'm going to let you you know present all of that because I like the way you're doing this. I like the way she's doing this. Okay. I'm all I'm all about look, government already has enough of our money. They don't need more of our money. So why don't we allow people who want child care to be able to write that off, you know, and, and be able to get child care. If you want more child care centers, make it make it uh, you know, uh, financially feasible for somebody to open a business and you're not gonna tax them out of existence. I'm all about this. Julie's on the right, as she usually is, is on the right, uh, you know, in the right lane on this one. I'm all about it. All right, so let's take our break. We've got to get to some news. We're going to do that. Then we'll come back. We're on the second floor of the state capitol. We're on the House side. And we've got State Representative Julie Mayberry with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 101. The answer. A few minutes left here with State Representative uh, Julia Mayberry. Uh, she's got some bills that are going to be presented to the Education Committee and other committees as well. Uh, you had some facts and figures you wanted to share with us. I did. So um, Louisiana had um, the bill, I'll tell you, it's House Bill 1158. Um, it's patterned after something that's been done in Louisiana to increase the workforce of early childhood care. And um, says the number of directors and staff with level one credentials increased from 963 in 2008 to 2,620 in 2011. The number of directors and staff with higher level credentials, level two, three, and four, increased from 284 in 2008 to 1,603 in 2011. So um, not only do we need more workers, but we need more qualified workers. Um, so that that's those are some of the issues that I'm, I'm trying 
trying to focus on is how can we improve early childhood education. I believe that that's a stepping stone to K-12 education um, and is very much a pro-life issue. Um, we, we need to be thinking of what happens to this baby um, after birth. Um, when we have more of the babies being born, we're going to have more of a need for child care. And right now we have a crisis on our hands. And if you don't think this is an economic thing, um, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce Foundation uh, reports that in Arkansas, 76% of parents miss work due to child care issues. 11% of parents voluntarily left a job due to child care issues. And absences and employee turnover cost employers $665 million per year. An estimated $200 million in tax revenue is lost annually due to child care issues. So we need to build this infrastructure um, and make that part of our infrastructure. If we want people to work um, and we want our economy to boom, we need to be thinking about that. Now, I do want to point out, I am not saying that every mom has to go to work. Okay, and be at work. Has somebody raising? already said that, huh? No, but okay. I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I stayed home with my kids. Yeah. Um, I worked around them. I found little jobs here and there. My husband and I started our own business so that we could be home and raise our kids. Um, I feel that that is very important. But not all families are able to start their own business and yeah, they did support their own, themselves. They did their own and, advertising agency. Yes, and and so we we had we had the flexibility to be home um, and so that that's different but not everybody has a career that can do that or um, you know has that flexibility I I'm so glad I was home my children did go to a Mother's Day out program two days a week um, which was helpful gave them socialization and, and gave me a little bit of freedom to be able to do some of the other things that I, I needed to do um, but I, I I believe more options are, are better I'm also working on remote work um, I have a Another bill that hopefully will be heard next week in, in committee and state agencies to allow more remote work um, and to put really to put policies in place so that um, there's good communication between the employee here in state government. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not talking about private government. We can only say what happens in state government, right. but um, to help the employee have better communication with what they can and cannot do. What are the expectations? A little little contract. <laughs> right. You know, if you're going to do remote work, these are the expectations. Um, because I think that we've learned that you don't always have to be at the office nine to five, um, that you can be someplace else and actually get sometimes more work done. I've heard from many state employees who were sent home during COVID saying that they were more effective at their job. They had less distractions. They were able to um, save some money because they weren't driving to the Capitol every day. They weren't um, spending money on food. They were healthier. Um, they had more time for exercise because they weren't driving to work, you know, for that half hour in the morning, half hour in the afternoon, whatever it was. And um, I also believe that it helps rural Arkansas. <clears throat> it allows someone to move out to, I have all of Grant County now, it allows someone if they want to move to Prattsville, but yet still work in Little Rock, they don't have that long commute. Um, they can work in Prattsville and they can um, raise a family there where they have more <laughs> open air um, and I think that's all good as long as we have good internet service which we're we are improving around the state I got Steve Stephen Meeks on next week we're going to talk about broadband yeah because that's that's another big subject that's that's that being uh, uh, discussed so how are your fellow legislators uh, receiving your bills 
Well, we did not vote on that um, tax bill because there is no tax bill that has a fiscal impact that's going to get out until after an education bill gets through and that's an income tax deduction bill gets through. So we're just in the talking phase, which is really great. I think we need more of that up here. I wish we could always present a bill and talk about it some more and then come back and vote on it because I, I think that it makes it better. Instead of this, you either vote yes or no on this. I, I believe we can always make these bills better, and if we had more time to do that, um, we wouldn't have to come back two years from now and fix the little unintended consequences. <laughs> right. I, so. I agree. I agree with uh, what you're saying. The thing is, I just want to warn about any any of uh, the bureaucracies that we see sometimes and make sure that we add value for each of those positions that we're talking about, that what value is added to that thing. Just like we're talking about what value does a teacher add to a student teaching a student? What value does a principal add? What does, value does a superintendent add to the actual education of that child? Well, it's the same thing. Is I just don't want to make sure that we don't have uh, and I've talked to teachers and I've talked to principals and I've talked to other people about the about the waste in, in some of these some of these bureaucracies is what happens. You have make work positions that are suddenly put into there and teachers tell them said we don't have to have that in every school. We don't have to have that extra person because this person can do it. You know, principal can run run the school. Yeah, but she's right. We need the infrastructure need on the stuff. Yeah. And I'm happy that she's not saying, well, what we need to do is throw throw $3 million at it. Yeah. That that's not the way to do this stuff. No. Give yeah. the opportunity that makes it makes it feasible for people who might like to start a child care business to be able to start a child care business without the government with one hand in their pocket. Right, right. And I, and I agree with Julia 100%. Is let's talk about it for a while because every bill just comes out and it's either or. And it really shouldn't be. We really need to analyze and make sure that we're doing the the right thing all the way through as much as much as we, with the knowledge we have today. And she's, she's got some good facts. And she's already doing that. Very she's obvious. She's already doing that. And I can, I can tell that. But the thing is, is that I just want that discussion, it, uh, and I think that I think we keep discussing. We got to let her go. We gotta go. Yeah. She's got to get. She's got an ad meeting. She's got. Thank you, Julie. About preschool facilities. Thank love you so love much. Love you to death, Thank you. We appreciate you. See you later. Back at some point. All right, time. we'll be we'll be here, hearing from you. I'm sure. Tell Andy I said hi. See, that's that's what I'm all about. Is what she's doing. Yeah. And you don't have to have the state government throwing money at things. Yes. What you can do is make it. Make it as make as few obstacles as possible. Right. Take the, you know, so take, that businesses can get started. Right. All right. And that's that has to do with taxes. I wish that was. I wish they would they would consider that about all business. Right. Get out of their way. They'll do. They'll take care of it. You're going to make your money off of sales tax and all the other things that you guys have got your hands in our pockets for already. What did we have in surplus this past this past two years? Yeah, just a few dollars. Yeah, one, one or two dollars. dollars. Yeah, just a few dollars. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm all about. I mean, this is Reaganomics. I'm hearing Reaganomics coming out again, and that's that's great. I'm all about it. And don't and please, if you're on the left, don't yell at me about trickle down economics. That's not what I'm talking about here. Mm-hmm. That's not what this is. This just makes sense. If you want more of something, 
tax it less, and you will get more of it. If you want less of something, tax it more, and people will not get involved with it. That is just a, that's a hard, fast rule. And quit putting putting restrictions on them. Well, that's it. Get out of the way and let, let these people, you know, go. That's what I'm excited about, the money following the students and education and all the other things. There's going to be a lot of schools that are going to, going to start. You know, a lot of people asking, what about kids that have learning difficulties? My hope is, and I believe it's not misplaced hope, is that when you have kids that are carrying this, this money from the state to take it to uh, whatever school they need to go to to be able to learn the best way that they can learn, there's going to be schools for autistic kids open up because now they got the seed money that they need to open those schools. You know, whenever I heard this, uh, a couple of committee meetings uh, the last few days, that, that we have to test, we have to use a standard test in the, in the uh, state test in this. And what happens, that's not the only the only measure you know what it's just like being in in any business you know what the biggest test is is that customer which is the parents yeah the parents and the child are they are the child is the real customer are they learning that's what this whole education thing's about are the kids learning if there's one thing i liked about talking to secretary of education of arkansas oliva was that it's about the kids that's right and that's your that's your product that you're putting out the the when the parents actually start to see their product thing you put out a better product in the in the in a in a regular service industry i guarantee you who's going to be who's going to be the one that'll determine whether that product survives or whether that that's you're heading in the right direction yeah. right yeah. it's going to be it's going to be that child and that child if they're producing and they're and you have have kids that are coming out, I guarantee you, those parents are going to perk up and says they're going to get interested in their in their uh, uh, in their education. Now, One of the things is we just got to we're going to have to figure out the accountability of some parents. And that's that's I got the it. Decision. Well, that, look, parents are going to play a part in this. That's exactly right. You, it's just not teachers. It's just not about administrators. It's, it's everybody. not about it's not about uh, the politicians. The parents have to be parents. Now, is there a problem there with some parents? Yes. I don't disagree with that. But we can deal with it. I'm just telling you, we can't deal with doing it the same way we've been dealing with it for a hundred odd years and not getting any results. I mean, when you got, you spend, you got, you, you've got property taxes as high as they are over in North Little Rock and they build they they throw it at the school buildings they throw it at football fields they throw it at a lot of different things and they tell you you can give your kid a world class education and 75% of them can't read at grade level you got a problem that needs to be taken care of and I imagine you got what uh, I thought a number like 80 something percent of the prisoners in our state prisons right now can't read well yeah I mean it's we, we've talked about illiteracy here on the show as well. We did that, I think, on the second show that we did from the Capitol. That's got to be dip, that's got to be uh, taken care of as well. We got more to talk about. We got to get a break in though. Let's do that. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.